Bonjour, I'm Terence Galenter, your American friend in Paris, coming to you almost live and almost every week from Café Terence in Paris's Troisième Arrondissement. This program is being sponsored by a generous contribution from the Billy Cohn Collection. Anyway, I started to say that Helen Lefkowitz-Horowitz sounds like a name that Groucho Marx would use in a movie. Doesn't sound right, like exactly. a real name. Right. <laughs> so now the, the reason it, it, I use the three, three names is that when I published my first book many, many, many decades ago, um, I had two wonderful living parents and I had the last name Helen L. Horowitz. But I thought my parents, whose name was Lefkowitz, and which was my full name until I was married at, at, uh, at 21, um, uh, I thought that they should uh, have, have their name in too, not just my in-law's name. So right. I gave myself that author's name. And when I did my second book, I tried to change it back to Helen L. Horowitz, which is actually my kind of legal name now. And um, I can't do it. The Library of Congress won't let me. Well, you became too popular. <laughs> a, victim, a victim of your own success, I would say. <laughs> you know, well. and you know, interestingly enough, as you mentioned, uh, look familiar. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I even I even have notes in there from when I read it uh, six years ago. You know, I thought that you had maybe reviewed it, I'm and sure. I thought that I had been. I was I was aware of you. Uh, I I didn't find you in the index. Uh, uh, you know, Julia Child. I mean, uh, you're both uh, Smith alumna. Uh, so, what was the uh, at this point? What was the uh, motivation to uh, write about Julia again, or for, for you the first time? Oh yeah, for me the first time. Well, um, I had uh, I did, I was going to do a book on editors because this was an homage to an editor that I had had that I, uh, who is now retiring, okay? This was at, she was, had edited three books of mine at Knopf, very beautifully. Who was that? And, who was uh, that? Her name was uh, Jane Garrett. Okay. Okay, and um, I, so I decided I'd, I'd write a book about editors. So I went to the Schlesinger Library and someone suggested first, Oh, oh, why don't I look at Judith Jones? And I did look at Judith Jones. And um, at that point, the, there was a, uh, a director who was only spilling in for between two directors of this institution, which I know very well, and it's a block and a half, actually, from where I am now, um, the Schlesinger Library. And she said, why don't we have lunch? And when we had lunch, she said, tell me what you're working on. And when I did told her, she said, oh, you've got to look at Paul Child's papers. And I said, why? She said, I'm not going to tell you why. Just do it. So I did it. <laughs> and I went to those papers, and uh, it had this incredible record of Julia Child. It also had some record of, of uh, Judith Jones. But it had this incredible record of his wife and the making of um, uh, this book. The Mastering, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Right, there we go. And uh, you can see I have a, a fairly worn copy. 
uh, which I've had since 1960. You've been using it. Actually, we won't talk about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have cookbooks like that. Not that one, but others. Okay, okay. And um, so I, I started, I was fascinated by Paul Child's daily letter to his uh, twin brother, um, Fred. Uh, uh, no, twin Charlie, brother, Charlie. Charlie. Fred, right, I think, his, was the wife. <laughs> right, Freddie was the wife. <laughs> it's been a while. Okay. Um, okay, so um, uh, I, um, I thought, what am I reading? And I was just, I just got fascinated by his letters. So if I can just stop got, for one second. Had you read the, her nephew, uh, Prudhomme's book prior to I this? Had all, I, had, I, had all, I had the other books of they're sitting on my uh, shelf in back of me. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd read other uh, books uh, by by members of the family and okay. such. Right. So I was a, I was a, you know I was kind of aware of her, and I had met her mm -hmm. um, uh, on at Smith College, okay. um, and uh, that was really fun. And she would, I found her to be a quite ex warm and personable human being. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and um, very mentally, and, uh, one might say, right? What? Very mentally, mentally. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if one with a name like McWilliams, if one can be mentally, I, I, she seems to me that she was though. My perspective. Yeah. Right, right. No, she, she was warm in that kind of way. I remember, uh, I, I was, draw, I wrote a book called Alma Mater, which is on the Seven Sister Colleges. The the primary seven women's colleges of a certain period. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I was interested in architecture, so I did, really did it on the architecture of these schools and how that differed from men's colleges. Okay, and so I was invited to um, the inauguration of the president of, a new president of Smith College. Uh, I was teaching at University of Southern California at that point because she wanted to have um, a symposium on my book as a kind of academic moment of her inaugural three-day weekend, okay? That's the way they do things at Smith, okay? So there I was, listening to a critique of my book and responding to it, um, and then uh, I invited my in had invited my uh, husband's parents, because my mother-in-law had gone to Smith, uh, to come and, and uh, Join me for that weekend. I had come from California and I could visit with them. So we were eating lunch um, in the uh, faculty dining room. Um, and uh, uh, Julia Child was in charge of all meals. She didn't cook them, but she gave the recipes for them and she oversaw the kitchen. And she walked out onto, and greeted everyone in the room. And she came to our table and she greeted us and she asked, the questions of my mother-in-law very carefully, who, by the way, never cooked a meal in her life. But that's another story. She, she made knew. reservations, as they say. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. And um, uh, and she knew how to bring in. Um, and um, and it was she was so warm and kind. I was really struck by that. Um, and then I met her again at the reception, which after the inauguration. Uh, uh, the next day, there was a fabulous reception uh, with food that you wouldn't believe at an enormous reception uh, outside. And 
And she walked around and greeted everyone again, and were, they had how you know how they responded to it all and so forth. And I just uh, you know that was kind of wonderful to have that feeling for her. And then she would come to the college um, to help the college raise money, offer her services for you know major events. So that was nice. A good soul. She was a good soul. I'm a loyal sorry. daughter. Well, for, for anyone, well, there may be people listening that are under, you know, let's say under 25 and don't know who Julia was. Just very briefly, who was Julia Child? And then we'll talk about her. Julia Child was an American woman uh, who chose to write a book on French cooking for American cooks and therefore translating the processes, uh, the, the, um, measurements, everything, into uh, a language that could be followed with step-by-step step in the way that American cookbooks are written. Um, and so, so she wrote, and it was published, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. And it was, in fact, um, a landmark book. I mean, it... Um, I, mean, as you, I think, as you say in your book, it... It became a landmark book. Why don't we go back right. at the beginning? Uh, you built this book around six people who uh, contributed or molded, if you will, if one could mold Julia, uh, the Julia Child, the uh, the icon that we that we all know. Uh, and before and we'll start with Paul, but before we get there, let's establish the framework uh, of what food was like in the fifties. Uh, you know, I come from a, a Brooklyn Jewish family. Uh, my mother's. Uh, I think Tuesday Swanson turkey dinner was my favorite meal. It was a meal where she didn't overcook the meat. Uh, it, it, yeah, so that that level of cooking, uh, you know, when when TV dinners came out, it was like the greatest thing in the world for uh, for mothers who were not working. So the standards that uh, I remember uh, Andre Saltner talking about trying to find product for his great restaurant initially. Uh, and how difficult it was to source these materials in America. So let's uh, establish what uh, cooking was like in America, shall we say, mid-50s. Well, I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is in northwest Louisiana. Which I know Shreveport. Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, I know of it. <laughs> well, it's close to Texas and Arkansas. Right. It's not close to New Orleans. And you always have to say that because everyone says, oh, Louisiana, New Orleans, cooking is so wonderful. This well, was kingfish country. <laughs> anyway, um, and um, I happened to have a grandmother who lived in the house and who was a superb cook. And um, she was an elder, quite elderly grandmother. She was 42 when my mother was born. Mm -hmm. uh, so she was in her 60s when I was born. And, um, and she came to live with us when I, she was about 70. And she was a superb cook. And I just peeked over. I love to be in the kitchen with her. My mother was always out. I'm uh, the daughter of a rabbi, and my mother was a woman of good works. And so she was on every sort of good good committee in town. And so she, her afternoons, she was normally not there. Uh, she was at a committee meeting. And my grandmother was there, and she was often, she was by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, she was in the kitchen. And... Um, so I sort of, I absorbed what she did. I knew how to cook from just watching, being with her. And um, 
anyway, so I didn't have that experience, but I know what you mean. But I think in Shreveport, um, uh, the Jewish women, at least in Shreveport, were better cooks. They really did. And they also had uh, servants who assisted, but the servants typically did the cleanup work. They didn't do the actual cooking. I'm sorry? Nope. I didn't hear a word you just said. Do you hear me now? Yes. Okay. I was going to start to say that uh, if we went around to the country, particularly to non, like not L.A. and New York and places like this, I, I, my mother's not here to defend herself. She wasn't quite as bad as I described her. But I'm sure if you were somewhere in Mishawaka, Indiana, or southern Illinois, uh, the kind of foods that I described would have been de rigueur. Uh, people were not very much aware of French cooking. So uh, her, her odyssey, I guess the development, the creation of Julia began uh, in Ceylon when she met uh, Paul, which we currently right. know as Sri Lanka. Um, and, and one of the things I got out of reading, I, 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 I want to think this nephew's name was Alec, Alec or Eric, but Prudhomme, um, was this extraordinary love affair that they had. Uh, it, you know, we, and we look at Julia, particularly the guys of my age, as tall, as six foot two, gangly. Uh, could there be a less sexy woman in the world? And yet there, <laughs> theirs was a, a relationship of uh, enormous passion and, and enormous respect, uh, a relationship that uh, plays very well today, but had all, all the passion that one want in, in a relationship. And who would notice? Balding man and his tall, gangly woman, and they just made wonderful love together. Right, and he was quite shorter than she was. I would, I would suspect. <laughs> right, yes. No, it was, uh, he, he, he was a remarkable person, and I, I grew to really like him a lot, partly because he provided me with such amazing information uh, in his letters to his brother, but also just because he, um, he was uh, in the time in which she was really focusing on her work he was able to support her 100% and use whatever contacts he had, what, whatever power he had to do that. And, you know, one of the interesting things was when she started her cooking school uh, with uh, Simone Beck and uh, with Louisette Bertolt, um, they advertised in the American Embassy in Paris uh, for, uh, for students. And that was the source of their initial student group. <laughs> yeah, the three, uh, the three gourmets, as I guess they they were called. I think they called themselves the gourmands, actually. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but so yeah, so Paul was very uh, totally supportive and over 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 time, and then uh, Simka, Simone Beck. I forget all the other four or five names that the trail before we get it. So we we call her Simka, like the car that we knew. In, in the early right. 50s, uh, totally French. Uh, talk about her and, and that relationship and how it, some of the storms that they went through to finally even it out and uh, right, remain right. French. Well, actually, uh, Simca drafted her. I mean, she found out that she, she, she was told by Louisette Bertolt. This is while, while they're living in France, just to clarify. Right. They're living in France. Uh, and, and Louisette Bertolt had visited an American woman. Her husband had business in the U.S., and she had been in Detroit visiting this woman. And the woman sa uh, said, we need a, 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 a book um, 
a little cookbook on how to do French cooking. So mm-hmm. she uh, and um, uh, and Simka uh, and um, maybe another one or two put together this book. Uh, and um, then they thought, well, why don't they do something to make it a, a, a get, give it a larger audience? Uh, and they realized they needed an American com- compatriot, <laughs> American partner in all this. And so um, she went to a, a man in, in France who was very important. I'm blocking on his name right now. but um, And he said, well, I'm giving this party, and she will be there. The person you want to meet will be there. And, uh, and uh, uh, she, he said this to Simone Beck. And she said, she's very tall. That's how you'll know her. And when Julia stood up, uh, Simka w- went up to her and said, hello, I'm, I'm Simka Beck, or I'm Simone Beck, and I, I, I want to talk to you about a good book. And so they got together. Came up to probably her, her belly button. <laughs> right, because <laughs> Simka was small, uh, quite petite. And... Um, so the, th- the three women got together for lunch and they, they decided the thing to do would be to start a cooking school. And, uh, and they used Paul's uh, embassy to t- try to attract Americans, which did, and uh, that Julia had of Americans. And it was really meant for American cooks and they thought this would be a good way of trying out recipes. And then it gradually evolved. Uh, so, um, and... Um, uh, Bertolt, Louisette Bertolt turned out to be a weak partner, but she was in there nonetheless, and she stayed with it at some level to the end. And so, though she got a smaller take of the total proceeds, uh, her name ha- has full recognition on the title. Yeah, we might, uh, you know, we hadn't mentioned this. Julia did study at, at the Cordon Bleu, so uh, she wasn't just a, a, a home chef. And I right. think we forgot to underline that. But so she she had some basic training to start with. She did, uh, but she was aware that that it was just the basics, and it was mainly. I mean, she was with she was the only woman in a group of GIs uh, who were there because they could just uh, have their education paid for, um, who were learning to be chefs, and so she and she didn't feel that she could advance the way she wanted to advance. So the question was, how was she going to do this? And um, in a way, uh, Simka was her answer. Well, she also, you, know, you mentioned, you talk about her capacity for friendship and her generosity. Yeah. And it's very reciprocal in her relationship with Avis DeVoto, uh, the wife of the historian Bernard DeVoto. Yes, it Talk is. Of, uh, who in, actually found them their home in, uh, you know, in, in, in Cambridge. Uh, talk about that relationship, how, how it evolved and uh, its importance well, in, this, in her career. Yeah, well, Bernard DeVoto wrote a column in Harper's. I think it was called The Easy Chair. Mm-hmm. And one column he devoted to, he couldn't get a good knife. And how that had just outraged him, that there was no good knife he could find for cutting for his martinis um uh um and cutting his lemon peel i think it's lemon peel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever whatever goes into the martini <laughs> <laughs> probably an olive peel uh, an, an, an olive peel a lemon peel mm-hmm. a lemon peel 
So guess what Julia does? She buys up a batch of, of uh, French knives, sends it uh, to him, and that starts out with the thank you note, which of course he had his wife do. Um, and that starts a conversation with uh, Avis that uh, only ends when one of them dies. I really, it, it was a, it turned into one of those wonderful relationships. And um, I'm lucky enough to know Mark Devoto, the son, mm -hmm. um, and who's a musician and a music teacher and a composer. So that's uh, a pleasure for me. And I, um, um, and uh, he left all the papers uh, in the Schlesinger Library between his mother and, uh, and, and Julia Child, which was wonderful for me. Well, I think you know, one of the wonderful things about being a writer uh, is that you make these unexpected connections that uh, they're just so rich and they, you know, you start in one direction, you wind up somewhere else and it's so much it's better, it's interesting it, and it continues. <laughs> So that your that relationship persists, yeah, in, in a very in a very good way. Uh, right. The the road, to, you know, we when we think of it now, I forget how many hundreds of thousands of copies of, of the book have, have been sold, uh, but we don't know how how it almost never was never born. Now, the relationship with Houghton Mifflin, uh, which again uh, is initiated by Avis. And, and the, the years of work that went into getting, trying to get a manuscript that would be published and not happening uh, before she found, uh, you know, Bill Koshland at, um, or Bill Koshland found her through Avis at Knopf. Talk about the, the, the road that that book traveled before it finally got, before, even before it got to Knopf. We can talk about that and Judith Jones in a moment. Right. Well, what happened was it, it went to Houghton Mifflin Houghton Mifflin regards to this day, I think that it was the worst decision they ever made, that there was no market for this book. Um, uh, they had been promised something else, uh, something for a uh, kind of working book for the American housewife, and this was much too complicated. Uh, and um, at that point, uh, the question was, were they gonna break it down into something primitive, you know, basic, or were they going to find a new publisher? And with that, Avis says, no, I'm walk I'm taking it right away to, to uh, uh, Bill Koshlin. Now, she knew him because she had been working at Knopf, uh -huh. uh, and he, he was a very important person at Knopf. Uh, the, it was a family business, you know, um, Alfred and Blanche Knopf made all the decisions, but Behind the scenes, there was this man uh, named William Abraham Koshlin, who knew how to work all the gears, and uh, and he did that. He saw that the right people got it, read it, tried it out, and then promoted it. And so he got um, he got the, the important actors behind him, and uh, and. To, to everyone's delight, uh, Knopf accepted it. Um, uh, even though Blanche Knopf had a competing French cookbook, which was not very good, uh, uh, that was not doing well. And they never regretted that decision, I will tell you. Um, yeah, Bill went into... a, a very prominent uh, San Francisco Jewish family. Uh, Daniel Koshland was around when, when I was living there, major contributors oh. to uh, lots of charitable causes. And uh, a very elegant man, you know, not the, uh, 
the hard edged kind of guy you would think to get it out there. But he got he got things done. But he put it in the hands of Judith Jones. And uh, I'm not going to reprimand you, uh, but I love Judith. And uh, I, to me, she was wonderful to me. I, I felt it to be a wonder, a privilege to get to know her very late in her life and her work. Mm-hmm. But uh, but she took that. She got what that book was all about, as she did she with did. so many, so many cookbooks. And uh, you know, I mean, maybe I'm I'm not being fair to you. She had a particular role that she had had to guard. So the amount of warmth that could be there at the beginning probably wasn't the case. But she recognized the value of what Julia was doing, and and, and, and really got that book out there, got it into the right people's hands, made sure it was properly edited, and uh, it's the jewel that it is uh, with a, a big assist from uh, from Judith. I think that uh, we would say that she, she edited it with enormous care, enormous care, and asked questions all along the way, and treated uh, Julia with great tact, and Julia responded with great tact and warmth, uh, and uh, there's this lovely picture, it's in the book, um, uh, of the two of them pouring over something. They didn't pour over manuscript together, but they, they certainly poured over the book together later on for, uh, for that photograph, I think. And, um, and she, uh, I found her to be a remarkable figure. I mean, a, a human being, let's put it that way. They, they, they used the word figure in the title, but sure. I would say human being. I found her to be responsive. I found her to be careful. I found her to be exacting. I found her, I mean, you know, the, the way she got the illustrations done, all of that, everything was, was just right. Um, and uh, and she's, I gave her a lot of credit, I think, for the book. Uh, for turning it into the the physical book that you know I can now put it hold in my hand, which you're not seeing, but I'm holding it in my hand. Well, barely. You have enough strength to hold it. It's a heavy book. <laughs> it is a heavy book. No, but I think you know. No, I, 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 what she did, as you say, the precision and the care. I mean, she edited everything Updike ever wrote. She discovered a diary of Anna Frank in French and insisted that Doubleday publish it. She's a woman of of, of great uh, intelligence and perception, and I and I you know I think that that hard work certainly made. I mean, a great editor makes a great writer a better writer, uh, you know. And 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 I she did that. She saw the real value of what Julia was after, and and didn't compromise and made sure that book. Uh, the reason we're still buying it today after all of these years, uh, I, I think, could be attributed to the the assistance that, that she gave her. And they worked out this wonderful system of the basic recipe and then the variations, which is, again, a, 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 a trademark of this book, which mm-hmm. makes it a, a good to use. Uh, um, a, gr- a great wedding gift. A great wedding. And it was a, has been a wedding <laughs> gift for many of us. <laughs> well, you know, most of us, uh, you know, became aware of uh, Julia through WGBH in, in Boston and uh, her friend Ruth Lockwood and the and the TV show, uh, you know, when it was originally done in, in, in black and white, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, Seinfeld stole the three second rule from her when she dropped the chicken onto the floor, picks it up and says, no one's going to know. Uh, she was a, a, a totally uh, candid and, and, and open to whatever would occur on, on the set, but being very exacting and very precise. Talk about how the how the show came about because there's so many 
uh, cooking shows on now. We figure it's been a staple forever, but not the case. Talk about the origin of that show. Well, you, the origin of that show, and this is a correction of what's being shown on television, mm -hmm. uh, is not that uh, Julia walks in, convinces someone, and gives some money for it. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that, would, that is completely wrong. The origin of, of the show is that um, Beatrice Bauda, who uh, w worked with Paul in the French embassy, was then working for WGBH. And another woman, uh, I think her name was like Misty something, was uh, a niece of uh, our cousin of uh, Morgenthau, who was uh, one of the producers. And they came to Julia and said, uh, let's talk about the possibility of a cooking show. And Julia wanted to know, well, what do I need to do? And they, they said, well, you need to write her proposal. Uh, and they helped her with the proposal uh, and she presented it. And, and WGBH gave her a trial of a, of a few, uh, I think three, uh, which were produced 27 letters to WGBH praising the show. We want to see more. In that period, 27 letters to educational TV was a lot. Uh, and so they went ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and Julia, you know, as you know, uh, from the book, was an extremely organized person. And she prepared very carefully for each of the shows. She was uh, essentially assigned to Ruth Lockwood, um, who was then a, a, a assistant director or something like that. She became a producer. I do know her daughter, uh, Susan Lewinick, uh, who, who was able to help me with rounding out her life a bit. Um, and uh, she, she uh, worked with her every step of the way. Uh, she would come on, uh, they would work out a plan, choose a menu, um, and then uh, she would practice a little bit with um, over the weekend uh, with Paul, and then uh, uh, Ruth would come, I think, on Monday, and work with her at home, and then they would work in the uh, try doing it, rehearsing together in the studio, and she devises the, the idiot cards, which or this row of people standing up with big posters with magic markers they could write on, like, you know, correct, you meant tablespoon, not teaspoon, <laughs> or something like that. And, uh, and also would tell her that they had signs three minutes, two minutes, one minute, 30 seconds for a segment. So, so she, Julia could time her presentation because it was largely ad lib, even though with some, you know, thoughtfulness behind it. Well, I mean, in reading the, the, your description of all the little work that, that went into the preparation of the show, I mean, it reminds me of, uh, you know, of, of acting, uh, where if you have the chops and uh, you're in, in conversation with someone on stage and they feed you an incorrect line, but it's in keeping with the sentiment of the, the you just go forward. You don't bat an eyelash because you have the chops to do that. And I get the sense that, you know, when she got on, on, on camera, uh, even though there's a, a tightly scripted part of it, uh, she could ad lib when necessary because she knew exactly where she wanted to be, which took an enormous amount of uh, of work to get to that level where she could be, 
you know, she could ad lib as comfortably on, on camera as she did. So you get these, you get the sense when you're watching her that this is just spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I guess, and, what they strive for. Yeah, and she had she had great presence and and uh, and no fear of the camera at all. I don't think. Yeah. Um, and I don't she, think she had fear of anything. That woman. <laughs> well, and and the other thing about her was, um, though she always had her hair done uh, in preparation for the tapings, you know, sort of right before, um, uh, she wasn't self-conscious about her looks. Um, she wasn't self-conscious really about her height. And when you're six two as a woman, uh, that's quite a high, tall height. Um, she fortunately had a, a sister who was taller. I met her sister. <laughs> you did? She came when I did an event in San Francisco. I uh, I was doing literary live events with uh, the Prudholm nephew. And a oh. Dort was living in, in Marin County where I was. And she came in one of these uh, these vehicles where they, they distribute handicapped people around the city to events like this. So she came in. Uh, she got a seat front row. She was there before I arrived and had a martini in hand. So those girls were no stranger to a cocktail. No, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I didn't yeah. know you had had all this experience. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I started to say, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. What, uh, for you in writing Warming Up, Julia Child, uh, what have you taken away from this experience uh, about the people who are involved, about Julia uh, particularly and her importance to the, uh, uh, the culinary scene, if you will, uh, worldwide? Well, I think Julia, my own feeling is that Julia in many ways transformed it. I mean, a lot of people did watch The French Chef, chef for entertainment, mm -hmm. but I think that she really, you know, there was a shift in our culture that we can attribute to many, many things about uh, that involve food and the ability to go beyond the hamburger, the, 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 the steak, and, and to experiment with a whole range of, 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 of different cuisines and also to learn to cook better. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that she made, she gave it a, a, a boost. She's not, she's not the only person responsible, sure. but she gave it a tremendous boost. And she also made it seem fun, mm -hmm. which was amazing, a, a wonderful part of it. She never, um, when you watch those shows, and uh, honestly, I didn't watch them at the time because I was a graduate student. You know what that life is can be like. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have time. You've watched them in reruns, I'm sure. In I, oh, I've watched plenty of them. Now. And the things she's done with the Jacques Pepin, the other, you know, things that evolved out out of her kitchen that we saw much later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, she um, she really put a wonderful jolt into the culture. <laughs> uh, kicked a lot of us into doing more interesting things with food. And that was wonderful. Yeah, well, yeah. we thank Julia and, and I, I thank you for warming up Julia Child. Uh, my guest has been Helen, formerly L, now Lefkowitz Horowitz, uh, also a graduate of Smith. This has been fun. And No, uh, not a graduate of Smith, wait. Oh. oh. I'm a graduate of Wellesley College. 
How do I, I get? How I was do I a get professor at Smith? Oh, pardon. Excuse me. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay. I many know. good years. Part of those. Us. Part of those seven uh, sisters that you talked about. Right, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's it's been a pleasure, and uh, good luck with the book, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again. It's fun for me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, and please share your comments and suggestions at terrence at paris-expat.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E at paris-expat.com. And visit paris-expat.com to sign up for my five weekly newsletters about the City of Light. Until next time, à bientôt à Paris.